Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All set for your flight? Yep, I've got everything I need. Eye mask, neck pillow, T-Mobile, headphones. Wait, T-Mobile? You bet. Free in-flight Wi-Fi. 15% off all Hilton brands. I never go anywhere without T-Mobile. Same goes from a water bottle, chewing gum, nail clippers, okay, passport. Okay, I'm going to leave you to it. Find out how you can experience travel better at T-Mobile.com slash travel. Qualifying plan required. Wi-Fi were available on select U.S. airlines. Deposit and Hilton Honors membership required for 15% discount. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello listeners and welcome to an AI Extra pod. This podcast will be a season review of sorts and joining me tonight I have a few of the writers. Um, firstly Tom Holmes, how are you doing buddy? I'm good thanks Guy, how are you? Hi, all good, all good. Are you still fuming about carriers? <laughs> I get the feeling you might be. <laughs> you, you, know, you know I am because we talked about it literally 20 seconds ago before the pod started. So Yeah, if he's a bit agitated in this pod that's why. <laughs> And uh, joining us as well is Ollie Emerson. How are you doing, Ollie? All the better for hearing your dulcet tones, Guy. Thank you for having me on. It's all right. It's all right. That makes it even better. And joining us is the other host of the Writers Pod, Leon Leanne Prescott. How are you doing, Leanne? Yep, yep. I'm good. Um, slightly less furious about the carrier situation. More sort of deeply, deeply sad and heartbroken. Um, but yeah, I'm good. Good stuff, good stuff. Right, so basically I thought I'd start off with just overall thoughts on the season. I know it's uh, been a bit of a mixed bag. So, Leon, I'll start with you. Um, just your over- overall thoughts on the season. Yeah, it was kind of a, a mixed bag, really. We had a obviously a good start to the season and then it all tailed off a little bit during, um, you know, we had that Spurs Spurs result, Man City as well. There was a couple of big, big games didn't go in our favour. Um, Spurs being the particular one, which I would highlight as, as the turning point. I'm sure we'll come on to to later on. But you know, Liverpool started the season well, and then we had that blip, and everything seemed to go a little bit, you know, tits up. But then Spurs came along. We we got played off the park, and then suddenly that was the wake up call that this team needed, and and things really really started to to motor on from there. We've obviously had a, a very very impressive Champions League season. Um, Record top goal scorers as well. Um, Mane, Firmino, Salah all had great seasons. 
Virgil van Dijk's come in and done a brilliant job as well. So, you know, there's lots of positives to take from the season. Okay, some negatives as well. But but if you'd asked me at the start of the season, would I take a Champions League final and top four? Of course I would. And I'm sure everyone would. Yes, there'll be people to to point out Klopp lost his sixth successive final and and there's no trophy to, to boast about. But this is a team doing doing very well at the moment. Lots and lots of positivity around the club in terms of transfers and, and the summer as well. So de- definitely a progressive season, um, something to build off for next year. And I think there was also a lot of evidence from this team that, that they can rival City in terms of the way they attack. If we can just deal with the, the foundations, um, you know, defensively and, and in goal, add a couple of more people in, then this is a team that can really be competing domestically and in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, coming to you, just your overall thoughts or anything you can add to Leanne there? I think it was a, I think it was a good season overall. I mean, that's the thing we kind of have to think. I think if you'd said to people, what were your targets at the start of the day, start of the season, people would have said top four is probably the primary target. I think ultimately we got our primary target. In terms of the Premier League, I think it's a solid 7 out of 10 season. It's pretty much exactly what we wanted to achieve in terms of the minute. The, you know, we, we did the minimum in the Premier League. We got the top four. Mm-hmm. Getting top four is increasingly getting more difficult, which is the other thing people need to kind of factor in. There was there wasn't a whole lot more we could have done in the league to have a much better league season. I think the league was sort of the league was pretty much it was good, is what I would describe the league season. I think it was it was we got what we needed to do. We didn't do more than that, but ultimately I think it was more important for us to to get over the line and get fourth than it was to push on, if that makes sense. So I feel like the gap between fourth and fifth. It was a lot, lot bigger than, say, the gap between finishing fourth and third, which is obvious, which is kind of obvious. In terms of domestically, I'm personally happy we sacked off the domestic cups because I genuinely don't care about them that much. I think if you look at, you know, no team in it, no team looks at a season and go, you know, what, we've had a good season next we've won the FA Cup. Chelsea, you ask Chelsea, have they had a good season? No, not really. Ask Arsenal the last few years, have they had any good seasons? No, not really. You know, the domestic cups are increasingly just which of the top six turns up on the night and it's you know it doesn't really matter that much um i think obviously the big boost is the champions league i think the champions league is what elevates uh, a good season into being potentially a great one i mean it's easy to look back and go well we didn't win it therefore who cares but ultimately i think this is a season that, that hinged almost on 90 minutes i think the 90 minutes the, the 3-0 first leg against city for me is the difference between this being a good liverpool season and a great liverpool season i wouldn't say it's anything more than a great season but i think it's been a very very solid one especially when you consider how poorly we started it's worth noting there were people i know in september october time saying we should be talking about Klopp getting sacked as a legitimate conversation Mm. no one was saying you should be but people were saying people were saying liverpool fans are blinded because blinded if they're not having the conversation if that makes sense yeah i mean that's quite interesting is that from a non-lfc perspective yeah yeah no that's from from a non-lfc perspective they were saying i had i had a friend who literally turned around with me if this was rogers and not Klopp. If this was someone who had won things, who had sorry, if this was someone who was English and not had won stuff abroad, you'd be calling for him to be sacked by now because it's Klopp, because he's got a reputation. He should be, you should, you're, you're, you've got the blinkers on. To which, I mean, I mean that's a that's a nonsense argument. I mean, Klopp, mm-hmm. a a Klopp has won things. That's the difference. You know, it, it's all well and good. Oh, if this wasn't a manager who had a pedigree and a proven history of winning things, you wouldn't be so confident he'd be doing well. Well, yeah. <laughs> funny, how, funny how that happens, isn't it? But also, also Klopp's you know more than vilified and more than um more than justified our faith in him anyway because it's Klopp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the rest of the season, as you said, although we didn't win anything, I mean, 
we got a to a Champions League final when we probably didn't deserve to at, make, at, at this stage wise. at this stage of the game progression is more important than winning things yeah. I would much rather I'd much rather show we're going in the right direction and spring this thing people get confused people people will argue oh there's no there's no point having a good season if you don't win anything well if the chances of winning the league next year go from being 10% to 40% I'd consider that a good season if the if the end game is winning the league then yeah, the closer we get to winning the league, the the better the season has been, surely. And I think right now, if you look at where we are in terms of winning the league, we're a better team at the end of the season than we are at the start of it and going into next season. So I think we've had a season where, at the end of it, the springboards that we've got have put us in a much better position to challenge for the title next season. And that, for me, should be, if you're looking at Premier League, mm-hmm. the the sort of the, the, bar, the bar that we should be setting ourselves. No, it's very interesting. I mean, Ollie, have you got anything to add to your overall thoughts on the season? I mean, maybe your thoughts on the domestic cups and winning stuff as well? Um, I think, yeah, I think uh, Leanne and Tom pretty much hit all the right notes there with what they've said, um, especially sort of Tom talking about how it's a good season despite not having won anything because sort of there's a clear pattern of improvement that we're showing under Klopp. We've gone from finishing eighth and getting to Europa League finals to finishing fourth. And then after the Brighton game on the last day, in his press conference that he said sort of... Um, Something along the lines of, we got fourth, and then people said, oh, well, they got fourth because they didn't have Champions League football or European football. There's a distraction, so they had to go then and, you know, get top four again with European football. So to do that whilst reaching the Champions League finals, sort of continued this sort of uh, progressive and sort of achievable, continuable rate of improvement we're seeing under him. And like Tom's just said there, like, bodes really well for next season because it's the idea that something we didn't necessarily have when we had the high points under Rodgers because they were so often met by, like, lows at the other end. This sort of underclock, we sort of, we can all feel confident, especially with the transfer activity that's going on this summer. We can all feel confident that as a result of another good season, we're going to keep getting better and better and better and hopefully build towards winning the league or Champions League because, like, yeah, like you said, domestic cups. I mean, I'd like to see Ben Woodburn a bit more than we do, but I'd rather win a league than see him get another 45 minutes, like, on a rainy day in Portsmouth. <laughs> right, Ollie, I'll, I'll stick with you. Just that we'll we'll move on to the early stage of the season, and and this is before even the season kicks off. I mean, we're pretty much done with uh, pre-season and stuff like that. Neymar moves to PSG for a silly amount of money, which it just destroys the entire economy of football. Like everything's gone up a hundred percent in terms of price and stuff like that. And unfortunately, Liverpool are kind of affected by it. Not in terms of a sale just yet, we'll get to that in January, but Phil Coutinho is obviously, was at that time one of our talismans, he was probably our main player if I'm being honest, that was before Salah obviously took off and Mane was coming back from injury hit season and stuff like that Phil was refusing to play, or seemingly refusing to play the first game of the season which was against Watford and then we kind of went we went into the season linked with uh, Lamar and other people replacing him, it, it seemed to be such a a messy way to start the season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think um, it was an interesting one because obviously, sort of, once Coutinho had this sort of back injury, in inverted commas, people sort of started to think, you know, is is there something in the foot? Is he trying to sort of, especially with the rumours that Barcelona come, coming in for him, is he you know playing for a move or well not playing for a move in terms of the fact he wouldn't get on the pitch? But then I think sort of Mane had a really good start to the season and Salah didn't reach the highs he would right at the start but was still had a decent start um, we, we we had a disappointing sort of opening result against Watford but we attacked well um, 
And obviously, battered Hoffenheim home and away with Trent Alexander-Arnold scoring an amazing free kick. That devastating sort of counter-attacking goal at Anfield. That was all without Phil, if I remember correctly. So I think that sort of allayed fears that we, you know, we wouldn't be sort of a potent attacking force without him. But it was definitely sort of an unhealthy distraction at the start of the season. And saw maybe us, especially when we were trying to reintegrate him into the team after the transfer window. Um, we sort of had that sort of, as Tom mentioned, when people were sort of saying, oh, should there be a question mark over Klopp's future? Sort of after the first few games, I think we drew sort of four of our first eight league games after the Spurs defeat. I think we were sort of in ninth or some, some mid-table position like that. And yeah, it all sort of, it wasn't a disastrous start to the season, but I think bar the sort of high of Hoffenheim, it definitely, and the, obviously the win against Arsenal, it definitely took us a while to get going and you can sort of factor in the whole Coutinho saga and was he going to go, how much were we going to get, you know, were we going to get a replacement? No, no, he's not going, when's he going to start playing again? That sort of mess into that definitely didn't help us sort of uh, make the early grounds. I think we needed to if we were ever going to sort of come close to challenging City, which obviously was going to be ridiculously sort of impossible anyway. Yeah, I mean, looking back on the season, I mean, we could have literally won 80%. Of we could have won so many more of our games and still been not near City. So it's uh, it's scary how good City were. But Tom, coming to you, um, I know you were a big fan of Phil. I think, didn't you um, bet on it or not bet? Didn't you write about him being player of the season or something like that? Uh, pre-season, before the season started, yeah. I thought he'd win player of the year. I maintain that given the form he was on pre-January, if he'd not messed about at the start of the mm-hmm. season and if he hadn't buggered off in January, he would have been well in the conversation, yes. Um, I argue, I, I mean, I argued, I argued when he left, he was, he was in, he was playing better than Salah before he mm-hmm. left. But I think, the thing about Phil is, he was, he had that individual talent. I don't think he was quite a team player in the same way. Um, I mean, obviously it's easy with hindsight to sort of suggest we're, look a more cohesive unit without him. But certainly, I think his erosive personality, or rather his erosive actions, it's probably a fairer description, certainly mean that we're a more sound unit without him. Um, that said, I certainly think he had the individual... He's still, I mean, he's still got the individual quality on his day to be the best, one of the best players in Europe. There's no denying that. He's, he's shown at Barca, even with a, even with a, a, a kind of a, a weird half-season at Barca, which is natural when, you know, most teams, don't, most teams don't get... Most players don't get bedded in straight away. He's still shown some flashes of sheer brilliance. Um, what I think kind of the, what the difference is between a player like Sadio Mane and a player like Phil Coutinho is when Phil Coutinho's on the pitch, you notice him more. When Sadio Mane's not on the pitch, you notice him more. I think it's mm-hmm. very, very, in hind- again, in hindsight, it's easy to say, but we, the worst spell of our season was when, when we could not get Sadio playing for, for a string of games. He picked up injuries, he got suspended. So yeah, I think it's it's very easy in hindsight to sort of suggest that it, it's t- I think I think Phil is a better player than Sadio. I don't think that for me is in any doubt, but I think Sadio is a better fit for this team. I think I think in many respects, I think it's again it's easy with hindsight, but I think Phil leaving was the right decision in January. Maybe was the catalyst for this midfield to look a lot stronger because I think one thing you can't deny is that midfielders looked more cohesive unit without Phil in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we'll jump ahead a little bit to to uh, Phil leaving, but Leon, I'll come to you. Obviously, what Tom just said there is that we looked a more cohesive unit. I mean, in January, we kind of saw 
Oxlade Chamberlain and James Milner come more into the come more into the midfield instead of instead of Phil. And what Tom said there is we did look more cohesive. I mean, the left back it was it was Robbo taking over Moreno at that point at point in time, but the defence looked to be getting more help from the midfield. Ox was settling in nice. I know you're a big fan of Ox. Um, he was settling in nicely. He was starting to get showing all the attributes we've seen at Arsenal, but he's not really put together if you kind of get what I mean but we were we were looking more like a team as soon as Van Dijk basically traded with Coutinho weren't we yeah definitely I mean as you said there we were far more cohesive um I am a big fan of Oxo Chamberlain I, I don't tend to to make that very obvious um anyone who knows me will know <laughs> that that's a complete lie <laughs> um but but yeah, he was obviously very, very key. Um, James Milner did a fantastic job throughout the season in, in central midfield and, and probably surprised a lot of people in doing so because, you know, he, he's relatively old now and, and did he have the legs? A lot of people would say at the start of the season, no, he didn't to, to be playing in that position, but he did a brilliant job and there was a lot of movement between the lines, um, not just from those two, but because you know, Coutinho, when he left, a lot of people were saying, can Liverpool create these chances against low block defences who were just there to frustrate Liverpool? Because for me, that's really where Coutinho shone. He was just able to create something out of nothing or to score a, you know, a great curling shot. So to, to be able to replicate that in terms of the, the energy and the drive of, of the midfield of Ox and Milner, I thought was, was really, really important. And we definitely looked more together. Uh, when he left, um, that's not obviously to diminish his his part uh, within the season and to diminish his talent. But I do think there's there's something really, really important about the flexibility between the lines as well. You know, you're looking at that front three. Firmino often comes out wide, Salah then through the middle and, and Mane too. Mane coming into to the number 10 role and things like that, where Oxlade-Chamberlain is able to burst forward as well, really, really added to this this idea that you know that there's no stopping Liverpool from an attacking perspective because there's just so many numbers coming from all these different directions, and that's not really something we we saw that much consistently when when Coutinho was inside. So it definitely did change the way Liverpool play in some ways uh, and the togetherness of the overall team. And uh, and it, it's been a pleasure to see how everyone's reacted to a player of his caliber leaving because you know. If you'd asked a lot of people at that time, Liverpool had just sold Coutinho, what's going to happen now? Where's the season going to go? A lot of people would have said that's detrimental for, for their chances of top four. That's detrimental for their Champions League hopes. And it proved it wasn't because of the way we, we adapted. And, and that's credit to, to the whole team. Some will argue we could use Phil coming off the bench in Kiev, though. And they'd be right to say that. Well, yeah, yeah, but I think the main idea is when you're looking at the overall picture of the season, um, you know, slightly away from from Kiev, which was kind of a blip in many ways of of what we've seen from this Liverpool team at times. From an attacking perspective, there has been a lot of movement, a lot of togetherness, a lot of flexibility and a, a real drive from midfield, whereas sometimes... And I'm not trying to say that Coutinho is Lalana, but, you know, those type of players, they're very good at unlocking a door. But if you really want to surge on a counter-attack, that's where I think in some some ways we've benefited from not having Coutinho. There's a bit more slick, uh, fast movements. I know I know that's controversial. I, 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 would <laughs> su- I, would, I would suggest you go back and watch some of our counter-attacks from the first half of the season because I think oh, you're no, slightly, no, no. They, think you're they, slightly they, off they there. Were, they were phenomenal. 
from the start of the season. My my point is, with Coutinho leaving, there has been a lot more more togetherness and cohesiveness, as you've both said. And that's because of the drive of the midfielders and the, the flexibility of our overall team. That's not taking away from what Coutinho did at the start of the season, as I, as I mentioned. I, cer- I certainly, I certainly think there's um, a better balance of midfield since Phil left. I mean, when he was playing in the front three, it, it was perfectly fine. But when when he was playing as an eight, I think maybe the attacking player was a bit better. Him and Moreno seemed to have a, a good combination in them. But he, then Robbo came in and he just completely ignored him. Um, but um, yeah, once once we had Milner on in left centre mid and then Robbo playing, the left side seemed to be a bit more free, if you get what I mean. So I, I see where you're coming from there, Leah, and I think the team overall was more cohesive. I get what you mean, yeah. So if if we go back to the if we go back to the towards the start of the season, Ollie, I'll come I'll come to you. Um, obviously, probably. One of our biggest games of the season, and it was—I think it was our second game, the Hoffenheim game. Um, we kind of saw the best and worst of Liverpool in that game. I can't remember if Hoffenheim went one up, but I remember it was the Lovren penalty incident, one it where Moreno tried to press the goalkeeper, um, and then Lovren gave away a penalty. But that was such a nerve-wracking game for such a, for the start of the season, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it's one of those that you sort of you look back at and given the sort of nature of how we won and what we went on to do in the Champions League that in years to come people might look back at and go sort of, oh, you know, that was an easy one that they got through. But you have to remember that like, we've been in the Champions League group stage once in sort of eight or nine years and we were playing, we were we were fourth in um, Germany, uh, in, the, in England and we were playing the team fourth from Germany that hadn't lost, it, lost at home in about a billion years uh, with this fantastic new manager and a great team. Um, and we went and you know won so won won well away and then won so convincingly at home. Uh, you're right, it was we did see the best and worst. Uh, we didn't go one 0 down, but we should have done um, when Lovren decided that to stop knowing how to defend as he you know he occasionally does against Serge Gnabry and brought him down in the area after like a very common step over. Uh, Minulay did well to save the penalty. Did um, he? It was so long yeah. ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, I say he did well to save the penalty. He saved the penalty. It was one of the worst penalties I've ever seen a professional football take. Um, and then obviously Trent scored. Uh, there was an own goal. I can't remember who it was from Milner's cross that put us two 0 up. And from then on, we sort of sailed it. Uh, I think we we saw the best and worst of Trent in that game. Sort of, we Klopp talked about why we didn't see him so much at the start of the season. And he said because he needs to learn to defend a bit more. And that's why Gomez was in. And we sort of saw him lose his man from a ball in the air. I think it was Uth scored a decent finish past Milner to bring it back to two one with a few minutes left. Um, but yeah, that was sort of. People were hyping it up as Liverpool's biggest game since sort of the City and Chelsea games of 13 mm-hmm. 14, sort of bigger than the Severe game in the Europa League final, some So, yeah, that was a huge one. So, to win that and then obviously, you know, go and finish the business at home really gave us such a boost at the start of the season that you, you could argue that all the good work of 16 17, Klopp's first full season charge, would have been undone if we'd have then gone and lost to Hoffenheim and had to drop into the Europa League. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> Uh, Tom, coming to you, I mean, we just talked about the Hoffenheim game showing the best and worst of Liverpool, but we so, we started the season, obviously, every when the Watford game came along, which was the first of the season, obviously, everyone was expecting, like, Milner at left-back, uh, well, we only had pretty much three centre-backs at the time, but we were still expected to sign Van Dijk at that time and stuff like that, 
But we still had Minulain goal. We had the much hate, well, pretty much hated Moreno, apart from me and Ollie, <laughs> um, in in the team, and we still had the same back four. But now we had a young right back instead of our experienced international. But we there were there was proper concerns at that time about our back four, wasn't there? I mean, yeah, massive concerns. Um, in many respects, a lot of those questions have been answered. Um, I mean. The left back situation, no one, a lot, I think, I don't think anyone expected Rory to be quite as good as he was. I always felt it would take time for, for Robertson to bed in. But obviously, I mean, a lot of people, you know, reasonably would argue, you know, Robbo needs six months to get bedded in. And once he did bed in, bloody hell, he was amazing. So that's, you know, that's, Robbo's one of those unexpected bonuses where he's gone from being, you know, a solid option that we had some question marks over to, oh, okay, this lad's a title winning left back, fair enough. Um, centre back, obviously, I think, I mean, a, a lot of people will continuously give Robin Flack. I think he's had a really strong season, especially since the Spurs game. Um, I think he's really, really stepped his game up, and I think he's been a very, very different player, which has obviously been really, really vital. Um, the centre-back situation isn't properly sorted just yet. Obviously, the Van Dyke acquisition has sorted a lot of those issues. Carriers eventually getting a stretch and goal has sort of fixed the goalkeeper situation. But the, the right-back situation remains an issue. I still think Trent is a fantastic youth player but I don't think you can expect him to be the finished article yet which is part of the issue um Trent's one of those players where it's just like I I would say Trent is an issue in the sense that you know you know you need to balance what is good for his development versus what's good for the team now uh and luckily for us for the majority of this season that answer has been getting Trent on the pitch um and luckily that's been the way it's played out I think Gomez has been an issue. He's easily been our worst defender this season. Moreno has been okay when he's played, but he's been nothing special. Um, centre back wise, Contra. Centre back wise, centre back wise, Matip's been fine. I don't think Matip's been bad. I think Matip's been fine. Lovren has stepped up massively. Um, Clavan's done a Clavan, which is that he's always reasonably dependable when he comes in. Um, no, defensively, I think we've been better this season. I think. The defensive situation's interesting in the sense that I feel as though a lot of people are maybe understating how... Like, a lot of people love to overestimate how bad our defence is. I think that's always been the case. A lot of people... Because of what our defence is, is very much feast or famine. Our defence is prone to implosions. It's not consistently bad. I think mm-hmm. Arsenal have got a consistently bad defence. They've got a defence who are going to go and concede two goals a game. We've got a defence who, more often than not, are going to concede nothing or one, but occasionally will concede three or four. So it's like, you know, so it's always got that potential for implosion, but equally it's also got that potential to go and, you know, have a good season. I think we've had a solid enough. The defensive issue is really interesting for me because clearly we've been better this season defensively and that's worked out marginally better over the course of the season. Um, but equally I think there's ways to go yet. As I said at the start of the season, your defense only needs to be as good as your attack, as your, you know, as your attack needs it to be. So you, I mean, uh, you know, you can't, if you have, if you score a hundred goals, you don't need to concede, you don't need to only concede 20. If you score a hundred goals, you only need to concede 30 or 40. If you're a team that's only going to score 60, 70 goals a season, you need to have a defense that's going to be keeping 20, you know, 20 clean sheets minimum. So it really does depend. I think right now, um, I think our defense is in a much better state than it was at the start of the season. I think Van Dyke's been crucial to that, but equally, I think the likes of Lovren, Robertson clearly, um, has been a massive step up. That's been a real, real solid issue. Trent's come along leaps and bounds, and I think he's only going to get better, which is also good. Um, and Carrius has been better. 
I mean, Karius has been a lot better, and that was always going to happen. So I think the defence still needs some work, but I think having having someone like Fabinho in front of it means we are in a much better shape defensively. And more importantly, defence doesn't matter. As I say, defence is only as important as your attack. It's a, it's a whole cohesive team, isn't it, really? And I think a lot can be spoken about our defence. But, I mean, for as much as people want to say we lost the title in 13-14 because of our defence, we could easily have conceded 50 goals that season and won the title. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very easily. Like, we conceded, I think we conceded 52. We could have conceded 52 and won the title, if we're being honest. We could have conceded three more goals and won the title. It's just where they're distributed. So it's not about... Defence isn't necessarily just about conceding goals. It's about conceding goals in the right places to get a points. And I think what this team's been good at, particularly last season, is con- if we concede one goal a game, it doesn't matter as long as we're scoring two a game. We had a lot of games where we were winning 4-1, 5-1. I don't care about the defence in those games. And that's the thing. We're going to have games like the Roma game where it ends up 5-2 when it could have been 6 or 7-0 because we don't like to sit, because we don't have a def- sort of defensive structure, which means we're going to sit back when we get to 3-0 up. That's not our game plan. We are going to concede goals. That's part of Klopp's style. That's fine. I think right now, our defence is getting there. I think we've nearly got a defence that's good enough to win us a title. The issue is, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later on in the show. For me, the issue is what what it takes to win a title has been the the the, uh, the curtains have been moved, the ground the goalposts have moved. What it takes to win a title is not the same as it was five years ago, and that's that for me is the issue because I think any other year I'd be looking at this season going we've got a title winning team there, but we don't, and that's the it. That that and I genuinely don't think there's anything we can do about that. No, that's quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, if we if I, I'll come to you, Leanne. I mean. Just continuing the early stages of the uh, of the season, obviously the Man City game where we lose, uh, was it five 0 We lost uh, Mane sending off, which has now turned into more controversial than it was, considering the amount of missed high kicks have been happening in the Premier League. So looking back, it should have probably been a yellow card nowadays. But we obviously had the Man City game, and then I think it was like a month later or however many weeks we lost heavily to Tottenham as well. I mean, how how concerned were you back then, Leanne? Yeah, I think um, that City result was obviously a, a very, very bad day for Liverpool and, and one that could have gone very, very differently because uh, Salah had a had a really, really good chance, I think, uh, prior to the red card. Um, and, and, you know, if he'd scored, it would have been a very, very different story, as you said there. In hindsight, was it a red card? There's been a lot of decisions post that that Mane challenge that weren't given red cards. So there's definitely room for debate on that result in terms of how it panned out. But that was definitely one where you're looking and thinking, oh, is is this Liverpool team, you know, they're obviously progressing, but are they really there yet? And credit to City, they were obviously phenomenal this season. And so that that diminishes the, the overall perspective slightly because of just how good they were. And they blitzed a lot of teams. But you know, at the time, I was definitely looking at that result thinking, OK, you know, this could have gone very differently. It did hinge on on a refereeing result, but it was definitely an indication of this team has still got some way to go. And then you, you pointed to Spurs there. Spurs was another one you're thinking, OK, this is going to be a relatively even game. Maybe we nick something. Maybe, you know, we get a, a very valuable three points or, or a draw. But it definitely didn't go our way again. Um, and it was another poor performance. And, and at that time, you're thinking, OK, there's still a long way left in the season, but these are two of our, our big, big 
you know, rivals for top four. Um, obviously, we we weren't really to know that City were going to run run away in the style that they did. But you were definitely thinking, where is this team going to go? How are they going to lift themselves? Because to lose five nil, obviously, does a lot of damage to your confidence. But you know, you again, you've got to credit the players because from that Spurs result was a real turning point. Dejan Lovren. Horrible, horrible performance that day. But as Tom mentioned earlier, he's really, really stepped up um, in the past few months, particularly in that Champions League final. He was, you know, phenomenal at the back alongside Van Dijk. And if you're if you're looking back at that Spurs result, you would you would think people are crazy to say, okay, Dejan Lovren's in with a shot of of starting next season. Yes, everyone wants a new centre back, but but that is the reality. He could be, uh, and if we don't bring someone in, he will be the the starting partner alongside Van Dyke. So to me just reflects of how well the team turned things around from that Spurs result. And you know, to, to finish in the top four and to finish in the Champions League final is as we've said is a is a good achievement and a good sense of progression. Um I think in terms of a more positive view, um it I think it was before the City result, but the four 0 against Arsenal for me was was a mm-hmm. a performance that I thought this Liverpool team is very, very special going forward. And Champions League, we had a couple of 7-0 wins, OK, against poor opposition, but that doesn't tend to happen at this level. So on the one hand, you had some very poor defensive performances. And then on the other hand, you were seeing, you know, real scintillating attacking football. Um, so I think it was it was definitely a mixed bag, but a, a very, very good uh performance from Liverpool in terms of the overall season and, and as I said credit to the players for the way they turned things around but when yeah when those two results happened I was you know a little bit worried about how how we were going to turn things around and whether we could could get top four because of just how well um, Spurs and City seemed to do against us but but we definitely turned it around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <clears throat> you mentioned the two the two seven nil wins. The first one against Maribel was just before the Spurs game. But as you said, after the Spurs game, there was such a such a level of improvement in us. I mean, it, it wasn't just results wise either. The the performances seemed to just go up another level. I mean, we still had still had the odd sloppy result. I mean, Sevilla three all step stands out in the memory. Obviously, um, the Everton games. Dear me, please erase that from my memory. Um, but, Ollie, coming to you, I mean, the level, especially against the, the teams lower in the league, apart from Everton, <laughs> seemed to just go up, go up to a level that we haven't really seen in many years. Obviously, that was the criticism of um, the 16-17 team, that we seemed to slip up all the time. But we seem to have eradicated that, especially from the Spurs game until like, the later stages of the Champions League, didn't we? Yeah, I think, um, coincidentally... Completely coincidentally, I've got the, our results from just after the Spurs game in front of me now, and um, we put three past Huddersfield the week after, then another three past Maradore, uh, Maradore, Maribor, uh, beat West Ham four-one <laughs> with the amazing sort of counter-second goal from the corner, beat Southampton three-nil, we beat Stoke three-nil, Brighton five-one with Chan and Wijnaldum at um, centre-back, dipped a bit in December when we had the two annoying draws against Everton and West Brom, and got back to that with four-nil win against Bournemouth, we beat Swansea five-one Boxing Day. Salah scored a really good brace on the 30th against Leicester of December. Then on New Year's Day, we had the uh, brilliant last-minute goal from Clavan. Of course, Clavan was it? Yeah, Clavan That was it, yeah. To beat Burnley. Um, and yeah, it just seemed to take off and sort of... In terms of just absolutely smashing the shit out of the dross, 
from sort of the Spurs game onwards for a few months until sort of we really started to get serious in the Champions League. We were just doing it for fun. Obviously, we had the frustrating point against Swansea after we beat City, but even then after that, we recovered and started, you know, put four past West Ham, beat Samson two 0 away, Huddersfield three 0 away. We just what we found this season that we'd struggled with in sixteen seventeen was that we really sort of, in the majority of games anyway, found a way to sort of you know carve through the mid table teams without much problem at all. It got to the point where I think. Um, I think I was speaking to Tom about this at the time. I might, I might be mistaken, but I seem to remember when we lost to Swansea 1-0, we were both quite annoyed that sort of the, you know, the follow-up analysis on Twitter or in the media was, oh, well, it's typical Liverpool, you know, losing to beating City and then losing to a crap team. But it wasn't. It was an anomaly because we'd literally spent the last three months proving that we don't do that anymore because we beat all the crap teams. Um, so yeah, that was like, especially sort of looking at the run from Spurs to sort of, in terms of like league season highlights, sort of as a block, that run from Spurs, the, that disappointing day to when we really started to get serious with the Champions League and sacked the league off, that is sort of what I'm taking from this season in terms of league form as what we can look forward to repeating and even you know, like bettering next season. I, it, I I honestly think we'd have to go an entire season without conceding more than one goal in a game, and we'd have to beat every single member of the dross, otherwise people would go, oh, we always do this, this always happens to us, no, it fucking doesn't, shut up. <laughs> doesn't happen to us. We're getting back. We're on like criticizers for the things we're shit at, which is against the top six. We are. We were so bad against the top six. Top six this season. We lost. The, we got one point away from home against the top six. That's absolutely fucking shambolic. And people are whining that we lost to Swansea. Fuck off. Honestly, honestly, we we lost. We lost six games this season. Six games this season. Sorry, we lost five games this season, and four of those were against the top six. We lost the way at Man United, we lost the way at Chelsea, we lost the way at Spurs, we lost the way at Man City. That is the issue. Not that we lost one one anomaly against Swansea where and it was just help just didn't help. It was about a month after we lost Phil as well, so that garbage idea that came out that we needed Phil to win those sorts of games. No. It's just it, worth noting all three of our best players missed big chances in that match. Sadio Sadio, Bobby and Mo all missed a an opt to big chance in that match. That these things happen. It, it happens. You can't be, you know, we can't have all of them, everyone firing and all cinders in every game. Doesn't mean we're, you know, it doesn't mean we can't beat the dross. Um, I think we are, that is the one element of our game that I think we've really improved in. And I think the issue is just for us, what we need to do is find that level of consistency against all teams. Cause that's what we really struggled to do. Um, one thing that did actually kind of throw me was when I, when I actually looked at the analysis, three of those defeats against the top six away from home, um, the Spurs game, the Chelsea game, and the Man United game, all of them were after Champions League games. So I do wonder whether that was just a case of too many things stacking up. Because I do think, I do we think had, one of the big... We had the, we had the curse of the early kickoff as well, didn't we? That's so, that's a weird, yeah. that is, I don't even want to get into that weird thing. Because that is a thing that I did not believe for a second was a real thing, but it looks like it actually so is. So you saw the stats, yeah. Cyberundish. Well, I, I was trying to do some numbers on it, and Cyberundish was blowing me out of the water. It was, it was one of those where it just kept happening. Down. That was yeah. the thing. It was one of those where at first I was like, this must be normally, and then it kept happening. Anyway, anyway, I'm getting off topic. And <laughs> um, my point is, the, the, the issue is we need to find a way to be consistent over the course of an entire season. Because it's all very well and good going. Well, if you look at the middle two thirds of the season, we would have, you know, pulled up an 85. Well, we didn't, did we? Because we buggered it in the opening 10 games, and towards the end we ran out of steam because we had Champions League, you know, Champions League issues. And it's all well and good saying we would have finished second if we hadn't been in the Champions League towards the end. Well, we want to be a big club. If you want to be a big club, you have to do both. It's one of those things, isn't it? Um, 
I think we're in a good position to move forward to next year. Um, but I think we've still got wait, we've still got a bit of way to go. But as I said, the issue isn't the issue for me isn't actually with us. I think our biggest problem, right? If you ask me what Liverpool's biggest problem is right now, I'd say it's the fact that Man City have are coming off the back of a per, almost perfect season and are only going to get better. And I've got the best manager in world football, and I've got an almost infinite resource with already the most expensive squad ever assembled, and they are going to be looking to create the best team the Premier League's ever seen. And there is absolutely nothing to indicate they can't do that. That's the they issue for me. There's no, there's no. Ed- why not? There's no evidence. There's, gonna... there's absolutely no evidence to suggest they can't get better. The, the evidence no evidence. is... I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to 10 seconds because we need to carry on, but the evidence is they're not going to get 100 points again because they want to win the Champions League. And they'll devote all their resources to that. But they've, Trust got, a squad, me. they've got a squad going yeah, to... Yeah, but they're not, they're not going to get 100 points again, Tom. You can sleep easy not. not knowing that. They might get, they might get 95, but they're not going to get 100 points again. They could honestly get 100 <laughs> points again. They really... The thing is, anyway. thing is they absolutely could. <laughs> They won't know. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we won't have that argument because it'll just go around in circles. But they should. They, nobody should get a hundred point in a row. That that's some FM BS right there. Um, but we'll we'll move on from the uh, middle part of the season. I mean, we touched on v, uh, Van Dyke joining. Um, obviously, the Everton game was his debut. We got to mention that where he scored and got the winner in the FA Cup. Tom may not like the FA Cup, but I'm sure he bloody loved that ball. <laughs> um, of, course, of course I did. <laughs> yes, you did. Yes, you did. But we'll, we'll move on from the middle stage. I mean, we, talk, we talked about Phil and Van Dyke switching places earlier in the pod. And um, Leanne, coming to you, obviously, to the slightly later stages of the uh, of the um, season, we had the Champions League knockout stages. Uh, we obviously breathed past Porto. Then we'll, we'll start off at the Man City game. Um what were your thoughts going into that going into that tie? I mean, they were probably one of the teams I wanted to avoid if I'm, if I was being honest. Yeah, it was it was kind of a weird one because after after Porto, that was definitely the the moment I stood up and thought, you know, this team is capable of getting to the final. Just the way that we blitzed a team that you know they're no pushovers. Porto are a good team. They were unbeaten at home, I think, prior to that game, and and have had a good season. So to come out in such fashion and, and to really just push them off the park was, was brilliant. So I, I would be very much in the same boat as you. I didn't really want Man City. Um, I kind of wanted to save that for a later stage, as, as funny as that sounds. Um, you know, and that was very much my confidence at that point in time. I thought after Porto, we were sort of capable of anything. But when Man City came out, I did think, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity because we'd obviously beaten them in the league and, our ability to attack so so well on the counter attack was so pivotal to how we beat them last time, and just the fluidity and the pace of, of Mane, Salah, and Firmino. So um, I think it was a tie that I was I wasn't going into thinking, oh yeah, we've got this. I mean, you, you're never going to when Man City have had the season that they had. Um, but it wasn't like a, a Barcelona or a Real Madrid where you're thinking, okay, this could be a, a very very tricky one where. You know, our odds of getting through are pretty slim. I think it was a very, very even game and, and the way that we sort of came out in the in the second leg particularly impressed me because okay, it was a very, very bad first forty five minutes, but the way we again picked ourselves up and we, we came out in the second half, Salah got that goal and from there we were really just on, on cruise control mode. Um so people will point and say first forty five minutes we were really lucky, Milner actually did score an own goal. Well, he didn't score an own goal, but it came off him or something and went to um, 
Jesus, who then scored, but it was given as offside and it shouldn't have been. And so, um, yeah, the, there's definitely an element of luck within football. We didn't have it in Kiev, but there was a bit of luck at the Etihad in that second leg. Um, and people point to that and say, OK, you know, another day Man City would be the ones to progress. But for me, that was a, another indication of, sort of the grit and determination within the team. You know, Salah, Firmino getting their goals and, and us progressing to, to the next stages. And then you had uh, Roma, um, again, very, very good attacking performance from Liverpool. So I think it for me, as I said before, it all stemmed from that Porto win. That was the moment where I really got a lot of belief that this team were were capable of going far in the Champions League. And that also seemed to resonate in the Premier League in terms of very, very good attacking performances, free-flowing movement, um, flexibility between the front three, which we've touched on earlier. So so it was just a very, very big contrast from, you know, only a couple of months prior when you had the likes of, of the 5-0 uh, Spurs defeat. So this has definitely been... When we're looking at the overall picture of the season, it's definitely been a journey. A lot of the players themselves have been on a journey and, and progressed and the development of them as well as the overall team is has been huge. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tom, uh, Tom I'll come to you. Obviously, injuries played a big part in the season. I mean, we saw we saw the impact they had in um, the Champions League final, especially. But seeing as we're we're about the time of March where the Man City game started, we lost um, our our guy Emre Chan, didn't we? And going into the Man City game, he was he was one of my key players. Obviously, he had that um, huge performance in the four three where he was supposedly ill, and he literally just looked like a million dollars. How impactful were the injuries? We obviously went lost him in March, and then we went on to lose Ox in the... Was it the Roma first leg we lost Ox, or was it the second leg? Yeah, no, it was about 10 minutes into the first leg. Yeah. Minutes. <clears throat> yeah, so we we lost pretty much two of our two of our best... two Probably our two best midfielders, in my opinion, and that probably differ to other people, but we lost two of our starting midfielders, and our options were very strained for the rest of the season, weren't they? Yeah, our midfield options were kind of strained for a while. It would have been nice to have those options available, certainly in the run-in. I mean, it, it, I, I don't think it made a massive difference, purely because by the point in the season we were losing those sorts of players, the league was done anyway. There wasn't really much to be talked about in the league. The only thing you could say is, yeah, it would have been great to have Ox in the Champions League final. That's, that's you know, I, I don't think if we're being honest, it would have made a huge difference. Because I think I think you know, Emre would have if he was fighting. Maybe was... I think I think I think the big issue is without so we don't we don't have another yeah. attacking option in the squad to replace Salah. However, you, however mm-hmm. it shakes out, even if we played Ox on the right, I think it would have made a huge difference. <laughs> I, 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 I just don't. I mean, Ox is alright, but he's not nothing special, um, especially down the right. I think I think it would have made a difference in the midfield. I don't think it would have made enough of a difference because the bottom line is the bottom line is we did not have an attacking out. I don't I don't think the midfield did anything wrong. The bottom line is we we were missing an attacking outlet and our goalkeeper chucked two in his own net. That's I think that's the reason we lost ultimately. I think you could say that the, the midfield weren't good enough though. As in not as in I think I said this in my ratings. Like you know they said that they didn't do anything wrong. Um, they didn't, but they're just simply not as good as the Real players. And I'd say that we were missing our two best midfielders, in my opinion, Chan and Ox, for the final. So therefore, I think whilst it's you can, whilst it's fair to say Henderson, Wijnaldum, Milner didn't do anything wrong, they didn't play below their average level. They played, they all played fine. Uh, I don't think it's sort of uh, controversial to say if we'd have had Chan and Ox, we'd have done better because I simply put my personal opinion is that they're both better players. 
I agree that they. I agree Ox is having a better season. I agree Emre is probably our best midfielder. I don't. I don't think it would have made a big enough difference though. That's my issue. I think it would have made a difference certainly. But I don't think. I think if you consider what happened, which was we did not have an attacking outlet because we didn't have Salah, who is our key player in attack, and then our goalie got concussed and chucked two in his own net. You know, if 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 I don't think it would have made a big enough difference because the simple truth is the two carrier situations where he conceded from were goals from nothing. They weren't a they weren't situations where the goalkeeper was put in a situation he could have avoided. One of them was literally the goalie has his, has the ball in his hands and he throws it away. The other one was there was a shot at him from twenty yards that was straight at him. So it's not as if these were situations that could have been avoided. That's the issue for me. Um, as I say, I don't think we would have had enough pace in attack regardless. We might have been able to play a different way, but I don't think either Ox or Chan is different enough, is probably the fairest way of describing it, to really completely change our game, which is what I think we would have needed in that final. So ultimately, I think the injuries are always a pain, and it's certainly annoying that they ended up in the same area of the pitch, but I don't think ultimately they made any sort of difference to where our season is, other than might pick them an extra five, six. We might finish third or we might finish third. But that's that's a bonus, yay! I guess like would have would have shut would have shut Spurs would have would have shut the Spurs fans up, which would have been something <laughs> at least, given so that we've annoying. been in more we've been in more cup Champions League finals this year than they have in their entire history. So you know who gives a shit what they think. I wish I could end the pod on that, but I can't. <laughs> um, um, Ollie, come to you. I mean, we'll finish up on the on the league table because I know the end. I'm going to say it in the pod, Leon. I'm sorry, but you want to go watch Love Island? No, I don't. Uh, LF, Twitter verifies LFC Leon is desperate to end this no, intelligent not. back this and forth debate. Absolutely. We, um, we, uh, we, man- we, 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 we had to squeeze this podcast into the short space of time in Leon's day between because I was eating, eating and Love Island. Right, right, right between eating and Love Island, there was such a little space of time. Just, just for those listening, we're five right. minutes past nine, so we're five minutes into the new series. Because I was eating dinner. Back. While Ollie Anderson couldn't turn his sausages or cook mashed potato. Neither such a go at me for doing that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, anyway, <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. Ollie, coming to you. Um, I've put in the agenda here stuttering finish. I mean, it, it kind of builds on from the injuries, doesn't it? I mean, we saw the West Brom. Um, well, we screwed it up, didn't we? We were two and and buggered it up. And then we saw that we drew with Stoke and then the Chelsea game and then it, it, it eventually went down to the Brighton game. I mean, were you ever w- worried about screwing up? I mean, Chelsea, was it the loss to Huddersfield, didn't they? That they was it, yeah. Adri- yeah. I was, I was one of the ones that this, that was getting like a little bit pissy sort of towards the end. It wasn't like the West Brom result I wasn't that bored about. So I was like, oh, we'll just beat Stoke, they're terrible. And then Drew again. It's like, the thing is, I don't, if we were resting players, I didn't mind. But we were sending, and I know we haven't got that many options, but literally, like, what does Ben Woodburn have to do to get a kick? Like, we were sending the normal team out and just telling them to half-arse it. And then get, like, so we may as well just send the backups out and let's see what they can do. But yeah, like, we we got there in the end, didn't we? So I can't really complain. That, like, last day against Brighton was really nice. We played really well. Salah finished with the golden boot and the record. So, you know... Like yeah, it was it was a bit of a rubbish finish to the league, but equally we got the job done, didn't we? And uh, so yeah, you can't really complain. If we'd have right, if Chelsea had beaten Huddersfield and we'd have copped up against Brighton, then I'd have been careful ever like all summer long, granted the region. But we got it done, and that's all that matters. Yeah, I think that's the best way of putting it. I mean, it, it, it could have been differently, but it it wasn't, and understandably we had focuses elsewhere. I mean. 
the Champions League final, um, Tom, coming to you. Uh, semi-final, coming to you, Tom. Um, Roma, it was a weird one. People were debating who we wanted in the semi-final. I mean, people were kind of opting for the for the middle option, which I mean, most people probably thought were Bayern, but we did get Roma. And it was a good draw. <laughs> we smashed it was them. the best draw, wasn't it? Let's yeah, be we, we ended up smashing them until we... Well, it wasn't even a lapse in concentration, was it? It was just, a dodgy reference decision. It was, it was, it was stuff that this is this is the issue that we have with our defence. People will go, oh, well, Liverpool's defence is so bad. Look at them conceding goals in the big game, right? So we conceded a, the flukiest own goal you're ever going to see, a 25 yard screamer, and the most bullshit penalty you're ever going to get. All right, lads, whatever. Um, no, yeah, I think the, the, it was one of those games where I just think the first leg we was so good we deserved to win the tie. We really were. We were just absolutely brilliant for, you know, 70, well, for about 60 minutes of that first leg. Absolutely took them apart. Uh, and we did it, and we did enough in the second leg. That's the bottom line. I think we did enough in Rome. We could not have had a more unfortunate set of circumstances in that second leg with the, with the, uh, with the, with the goals that we conceded. The fact the ref was not on our side at all across the two legs. It's just one of those, isn't it? you know, ultimately, if you win a tie 7-6 or if you win it, 2-1, it makes no difference, does it? Or even if you win a tie 7-6 and you win a tie 7-0, it makes no difference. You get through. I think we did more. I think we did more than enough over the two legs, as we did in all of our cup, in all, as we did in all of our knockout games. I think that what the, the simple truth is, we deserve to be in that final because every 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 game and every competition that was put ahead in front of us, we were better than. We were better than every team we played in the, in the tournament right up until the point where we lost to Real Madrid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, people talk about getting a lucky draw and stuff like that. I mean, maybe, maybe in the Porto we had to play game. A one, we had to play a 100-point City team. What, yeah, we had to play oh, a City was, team yeah. who, on paper, are the best team in Europe this year, and we smashed them off the park. I'm not having any of this lucky nonsense. <laughs> I was getting to City is the Champions League if we hadn't beaten them. Like, I don't think there can be an argument. Well, of course, there can be an argument about that, but that's what I think. I think they'd have beaten Roma, and I think they'd have beaten Real Madrid as well. Because, let's say... Aguero had got injured for them, they'd have brought Gabi Jesus on. Their midfield's better than ours, they'd have competed with Real. And Edison wouldn't have, mm-hmm. like, likely wouldn't have chucked two goals in, you know, regardless. He probably, might, probably he might would have, he would have if, if, if he was a bit, he was a bit shit against us. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I think that yeah. City result, like, I think you said earlier, Tom, that City home leg is the highlight of the season in some aspects in terms of that one performance that realised we can go on to a new level here. We're building something really special. And I think that's only amplified by sort of that, that, what, that it's a fair argument to say if we hadn't been City, they'd have won the Champions League. But I suppose you could say Roma hadn't been Barcelona, Barcelona would have won the Champions League and so on, but yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting. I mean, Porto may have been lucky, but after that, it, it was it was just all... Well, we played two fantastic teams and we played a, a, a team who beat Barcelona so that's, that's got nothing to do with us that's the fact that Barcelona bottled the quarterfinal so yeah anyway look, the luck argument's just a stupid one um, but Leanne coming to you I mean finishing up with the season review and then we'll go on to finish up with a little couple extra things um, sadly the Champions League final I mean Unfortunately, we only have a little bit of time to cover this because it was such a, an eventful match for the for the wrong reasons but Champions League final, a great occasion for us, obviously the first one in nine years, was it? Um, it's uh, <laughs> what a disappointing way to end the season, just the way just the way we lost it. Yeah, yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't a vintage Liverpool performance in terms of what we've seen from this team this season. Uh, the, the attack wasn't quite there, but there were aspects of it, you know, Sadio Mane had a, a very, very good game. 
Um, but as I mentioned earlier, it was definitely one where Liverpool just didn't have their share of the luck. Um, you know, Mohamed Salah getting injured inside 30 minutes. Lloris Karius now news saying that he's, he was actually concussed um, due to that Ramos challenge as well. So th- there wasn't very much luck in terms of Liverpool. And obviously a, a great goal from Gareth Bale as well meant that Real Madrid came out the winners. But I think what what's important in terms of Kiev, in terms of being positive, um, you know, I, li- I like to try and be positive about poor results. Uh, people will point to, to Klopp and to Liverpool and say that they failed and that, you know, the whole season, the whole Champions League campaign to get there is undone because you didn't get the trophy. Um, and that's nonsense, really. I think, again, this was a signal of the progression that the team has made. And I think Tom was actually used these exact words in one of his articles before the final was to say that Kiev wasn't actually about Kiev. It was what it stood for and and it, what it represented because it represented so much more than just the 90 minutes, so much more than just one game. It was the fact that, that Klopp had taken us to this Champions League final. No one really thought that we were going to get there. It's a very young squad. It's it's hard to, it's easy to forget that sometimes. Um, 24.5 squad age. So, you know, again, that, that sits very, very well. Uh, in terms of the the past and previous winners, uh, previous winners. So um, you know, I, I think there's a lot to take from the Champions League campaign. Of course, it ended badly, um, but but this team again heading in the right direction. Losing your your best player is obviously going to reduce your your ability to get a good result. And when your goalkeeper suffers a, an injury and and therefore makes a couple of mistakes, it's it's all against you really. But um, no, I think I think there's. Plenty of positives to take and, and this Liverpool side are going places. We've got a couple of, of new additions coming in now as well, which will only help, uh, you know, help us get back on, on track in terms of domestically and in Europe just to, to try and cement our place back on the map. Yeah, absolutely. And it was 11 years since the last final. I'm just being stupid. Um, um, uh, sorry, Guy, I won't ask you about the Champions League final because we are pressed for time. Tom, I'm I know you want... Yeah, Tom, I know you want to get into the carriers thing, but you'll probably... I'll get, I'll get, I'll get you'll, my chances. To talk about you'll carriers, end up on face-off. You'll end up on face-off. I will end up on face-off. And now I feel <laughs> bad because he's got a massive concussion, and that's just not fair, is it? Yeah, yeah, you're just, you're just taking the piss off. I, well, I've been, I've been trying really hard to avoid going public with how much I think he's a fucking donkey, and now he's got an actual... <laughs> and now he's got... Now I can't... Now I have to be even nice to him, because he's... It actually wasn't oh, his fault, dear. which is really bad. Being natural doesn't come nice. Being naturally doesn't come nice to Tom. Being nice doesn't come naturally to Tom. I am an absolute fucking delight. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Any, anyway, um, obviously, if people haven't seen the news, um, Carriers have been confirmed to have a concussion bag. Was it 36 out of 40 tests or something like that? Something like that. Um, but, yeah, it, 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 it's hard to caveat what he did, even if he did have a concussion, but you, you kind of feel a bit more sympathetic. But... Anyway, we'll fi- we'll finish up with uh, with the last two things. Um, team of the season, um, Ollie. I'm going to start with you because you've promised me com- controversy, and I want to I want to hear it. So just quickly reel off your team, and then let Tom shout at you. Oh, I was hoping you'd come to me last, so Tom wouldn't shout at me. Right, here's my thing. Karras is in goal because yeah, he's been Champions League final, blah blah blah. He's been better than me. Like you can't argue that. If you do, then go and shout at Wolves. I'm not going to listen to you. I love Alberto Moreno all, all my heart. 
but Robertson's a left back. Virgil van Dijk is a massive Dutchman. I want to hug him and let him sort of just like make tell me everything's going to be okay. He's at centre back. Partnering him at centre back is Joe Gomez. I take a while because I'm shoehorning him into the team. I know what Tom said earlier about Ooh. how he thought Gomez has been our worst defender this season. I disagree. I think Joe Gomez's average performance at right back was better than Dejan Lovren or Joe Matip's average performance at centre back. So I'm shoehorning him in because you know to be different and because I can and. Trent Alexander-Arnold is at right-back. Sorry, Nathaniel Klein. Midfield, Emre Chan has played one less Premier League game than Jordan Henderson, yet has been much better. So I'm putting him in. I was just saying that stat because we'll get all the... Chan's barely played. He has. He just played at the start of the season, so you can't really remember. With Chan in the midfield is James Milner, who was average at best in the league. And if people don't think he was, then you need to go and rewatch the game. But he did step up in Europe, and he deserves to be commended for that. Ahead of those two is Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's been better than Wijnaldum. And then the front three, I, I'd love to tell you that I'm going to pick Danny Ings and Slacky, but even I am not that desperate to attention seek and be controversial, so it's Mane, Salah, Firmino. So, I've gone through that very quickly, so just to round off, my team of the season is Carius, Robertson, Van Dyke, Gomez, Trent Arnold, Chan, Milner, Oxley chamberlain Mane, Salah, Firmino. Shout at me, Thomas. Come on, bring it. Yeah, you, you, you go, Tom. You go. Do your team first, then shout with I think the first thing, first thing to note is that it, it says a lot about where Liverpool are at. That their team of the season, in terms of team of the season conversations, that we're going to pick nine out of the same eleven players, and that, and your your pick of one one silly pick is considered <laughs> is considered controversial because you've gone with one lad who should not be anywhere near a team of the season. Other than that, um, I mean, Carrick, Carrius, Trent. Robbo, Van Dyke pick themselves. I think Lovren picks himself. I'm being completely honest. I think Lovren's been really good, and it's a massive disservice that our worst defender is in his in your team of the year ahead of him. Um, Oli, I think that's. I think Lovren. If you look at who's can, who's cost Liverpool the most goals this season, it's Gomez, and it's Gomez, and it's not even close. Um, um, I, I'll argue with that another day. Carry it's on. absolutely not even close. Midfield, Emery and Emery and Milner have been our two best midfielders. I'd actually say. I want to put Phil in there just because I think it's it's unfair to Phil because his half his half season contribution was significant was definitely better than Ox's contribution overall. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say Phil deserves to be in there ahead of Ox because um, he can he contributed a lot more in less minutes. Um, and then obviously the front three pick themselves. So yeah, I I think the only content contingency I think the only contentious points are, are who you pick as the third midfielder alongside Emre and Milner and then apparently centre back because apparently Lovren hasn't done enough to earn. An automatic spot there, even though he clearly has. <laughs> right, Leanne, kind of put their, them two together and then make the right one. Oh, I, I think it. I mean, for me, it's pretty obvious. It's Carius, it's Robbo, Van Dyke, Lovren, um, Trent, Chan, Milner, Oxlade Chamberlain, and then the front three. I, I see where you're coming from in terms of Coutinho's contribution, but I'm not having a player that's currently at Barcelona. And that's that's, that's a fair. That is a that is a very that is a very very fair shout. Our, into our uh, team of the season. Also, also to be fair to Leanne, also to so. be fair to Leanne, she abs- she had no choice but to pick Oxlade Chamberlain. Plus, so yeah, she kind of abs- loving, you know so. she didn't have any option there. I wouldn't have expected anything else. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Leanne because yeah. Phil's a snake. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to agree with Leanne, but I'd like to give a shout out to Clavan because if we did this at halfway stage in the season, he was probably our best centre back. So I'm going to give him a shout out. Um, but yeah, I'm going to finish up 
on a slight positive. I'm going to come to you for the moment of the season. Um, so whatever pops into your mind first, you've got to give me it. I didn't give you any time to think about this because I want it to be spontaneous. Um, Leanne, come to you first. I really want to say Oxley Chamberlain versus City. That goal was special. Um, I think another one would be Salah's goal against Porto was incredible when he just sort of did a bunch of keepy-uppies, slid it past the keeper, and then just sort of stood there like, yes, I did just do that. Um, that was pretty glorious. Um, and then, you know, it's hard because if I was being boring, I'd probably say the moment we signed Virgil van Dijk, I thought that was obviously very, very good and very important in terms of Liverpool's progression for the next few years. Um, but I, I'd say... I'll go with Salah's goal against Porto purely because of just how good it was and how good a season he had. You know, breaking records on your return to the Premier League is, is pretty incredible and he deserves recognition for that. No, all, all very good, all very good. Ollie, coming to you, your moment of the season. Oxley Chamberlain's goal, VC. First thing that popped into my mind, absolute stonker of a strike. Uh, I was literally playing football yesterday with my mates trying to recreate it with the BC country. Oh, he can hit one! It's just like the atmosphere, the goal, the cop, everything about it. I can like remember where I was. I can remember going absolutely mental, you know, against the best team in Europe. Uh, yeah, it's 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 got to be that for me. Oxley Chamberlain, two 0 Man City in the Champions League. Oh, definitely good shout, good shout, Tom. Your moment of the season. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sadio Mane scored a goal in a Champions League final. What the hell are you two talking about? I don't know, I don't, I don't know how you two reacted to to Sadio Mane scoring in a Champions League final. But I was wearing my Mane shirt at the time, and I absolutely lost it. Absolutely lost it. Uh, I mean, we obviously in hindsight, it's it's not a goal contributed to us winning, but like, come on, a goal in a and the other the other moment that actually has got nothing to do with anything it was uh, Mo's second goal against Spurs because that is just the moment where I just went oh, that is the I moment where I sort, of, I sort of stood up and went this this lad this is the sort of lad that is going to win us win us trophies because that is the sort of thing the sort of moment that can that can that in different circumstances wins you trophies it's that sort of late winner of sheer quality against top opposition that is just sets him apart from the rest so those are my two moments I've got a couple <clears throat> one was this is going to sound horrendously cliche because it's me. Um, it's a Moreno moment. <laughs> it's a fir- it's the first game of the season. Um, obviously, all the Anfield Index guys uh, went to Anfield for the day. Um, and when Moreno was starting the game, he, he, nearly, he, he nearly scored a, a wonder strike. And literally everyone crowded me, which was kind of weird and fun. <laughs> um, so that's one of them. Um, the other one for me was James Milner's own goal against Roma. I don't know why that popped in my head, but I kind of laughed at it. So that that would be mine. But um, we're going to finish up there. I think we may have run over slightly. Um, but I'll come for you to you all for plugs and stuff. So Leanne, starting with you? Um, yeah, so I've got an article out at the moment. It's slightly delayed, but it sort of touches on um, Kiev and, and how uh, Kiev is obviously a disappointing result. Karius made a couple of mistakes and we didn't we didn't win, but it was a, a sign of, of what's to come. Touching on Fabinho and saying, you know, another piece in the puzzle for Klopp's long-term project and, and Liverpool are well on their way to, to really challenging, not just in Europe, but also, you know, for me, they're probably the closest challengers to City in terms of in terms of how we play. Um, so just looking forward to that, a bit of positivity from a bad result. 
And in the next few days, I should have an article out about how we finally, finally signed a defensive midfielder. So, you know, from the days of Mascherano now to Fabinho. Ah, good stuff, good stuff. Ollie, you got anything uh, writing-wise? Uh, I've done something on why we should be bidding for Thibaut Courtois. Um, go and read that. Um, yeah, that's it from me. Good stuff. Tom, you probably have like eight articles out. <laughs> Um, I think it's just the one at the moment. I've got an article oh, at the God. moment on... I know. I've been slipping. Um, uh, no, yeah, I've got an article at the moment about how Fabinho in particular, but also some of the other players already in our squad and potentially for Kira if we bring him in, are, are really, really good versatile options and how versatility is one of the key factors in this um, Klopp squad, especially when you compare it to someone like Man United. Who, And this is a genuine quote from a Man United fan. We need a right winger because Martial, Rashford and Sanchez, not, all of them can only play on the left. <laughs> oh, good stuff, good stuff. Right, um so thanks for thanks for listening everybody. Thanks for joining me, you free. Again, keep checking out everything that's AI. But till next time, thanks for listening. Network.